friends, um, when we gathered this morning, I might have shared with you that this is what is known as the fifth Sunday in the season of Easter, which is a reminder to each and every one of us that Easter is not just one Sunday, so it was not a Sunday back in April, but that for a 50-day season, we actually get to celebrate how we understand resurrection power in our lives. It's very easy to walk out of the church on Easter Sunday morning and to forget that there is a trail of power that um, actually follows you. That every single time you say a holy yes in your life, when you recognize that the extraordinary power of God touches the ordinariness of our lives, that we live out of this resurrection power in our daily, everyday tasks, words, yeses that we make. When you say a holy yes to a vocation that fills you, that speaks to your purpose, there's a trail of power of resurrection that follows you. When you say yes to therapy because you want to understand deep healing, when Jesus says, do you want to be made whole, a trail of power follows you. When you say yes to the people around you and they say yes to you, you invest in relationships that are life-giving and you divest from relationships that are life-draining. A trail of power follows after you. It is very easy to think that unless you are breaking out of a tomb, that's the only time that resurrection somehow intersects with our lives. But every single holy yes, a life that is really life, as 1 Timothy chapter 6 would say, we live out of this resurrection power that we proclaimed on Easter Sunday when we said Christ is risen, Christ is risen, indeed, alleluia, it matters for us. It matters in our lives, what we have said of Christ and how we live that each and every single day, believing that there is a trail of power that follows after us. Last Sunday, our dear um, sister and sibling here at the Southeast Raleigh table, Erin Lane, talked about this holy yes to purpose when we abide in the vine, when we abide in Christ. Um, and it was so beautiful how she talked about not only mother love or father love, but this other love that we're able to show, this love that Christ has shown us and that we get to show to one another, that this is the commandment that Jesus asks us to live into so that the world might know of resurrection love in the world. And out of this uh, commandment, Jesus speaks it not as a teacher to the disciples, but speaks this commandment to love one another as a friend to the disciples. So this morning, I want to talk about how it is that we might say a holy yes to friendship. A holy yes to friendship. So if these words sound familiar, because they're the same words that we read last week from John chapter 15... Might you hear these words with new ears as you hear of this beautiful relationship that we have with the one who is named Jesus. Hear now these words from John chapter 15, beginning with the 12th verse and ending with the 17th verse. And the scripture reads as such. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. No one has greater love than this to lay down one's life for one's friends. You are my friends if you do what I command you. I do not call you servants any longer because the servant does not know what the master is doing, but I have called you friends because I have made known to you everything that I have heard from my father. 
you did not choose me, but I chose you. That is probably one of my favorite passages of scripture. Do you know how lovely it is to be chosen? I chose you. And I appointed you to go and bear fruit, fruit that will last, so that the Father will give you whatever you ask in my name. I'm giving you these commands so that you may love one another. Friends, this is the word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. I'm going to do a little show and tell. This is why I've got to have big muscles and do CrossFit as a pastor. So this is one of my favorite pieces that I purchased during one of my many trips that I have taken to Haiti. Um, and you can tell what it probably is. It's Jesus and Jesus' disciples. When I was a pastor at Millbrook United Methodist Church, I used to have to do um, preschool chapel. And I one time brought this very big piece to preschool chapel, and I asked the children, do you know who these people are? And some of the kids said, it's Jesus and Jesus's babies. <laughs> However, a young woman, she was three years old, her name is Mercer Webb, who is a part of our church community, looked over at that child and said, it's Jesus and his disciples. I said, mm, I like this child. <laughs> Mercer was right. But it's one of my favorite pieces because it shows a relational aspect of Jesus. The disciples are joined together with each other. Jesus, his whole body is also consumed by the bodies of the disciples. It is not Jesus sitting at a table and the disciples in a linear way sitting on the side, but literally almost incorporated into Christ's body. It is not Jesus on a boat speaking to the disciples. It's Jesus' body literally with the disciples. Though that little child who said Jesus and Jesus' babies <laughs> was slightly wrong, there's something really beautiful that that's what this child saw. That these men who are known as the disciples are not somehow far off from relationship with Jesus, but close to Jesus in relationship. John chapter 15 is a portion of what is known as the farewell discourse in John's gospel. From chapters 13 to 17 in John's gospel, Jesus is basically giving a farewell speech to his disciples because he knows that he is going to be crucified by the nation state. And like many of us who have ever known someone who is moving a little closely to death, we begin to lean in a little bit closer to the words that that person speaks to us. Because it might be the very last time that we hear that person tell us how they want us to love one another or care for one another or, or be in this world. And so from chapters 13 through 17, Jesus washes the disciples' feet. Jesus prays for the disciples. Jesus tells the disciples, I want you to be one in the same way that I and the Creator are also one. So that the world might know that you weren't just my pupils, that you weren't just some religious fanatics who were following after me, but that we were in deep relationship with each other. So also in chapters 13 through 17 and here in chapter 15, Jesus gets very clear about the relationship that he has with the disciples. 
You are not just my servants, and I am not just the master. I call you friends. It's important to Jesus that we understand the nature of our relationships. Jesus asked the question, who do you say that I am? I hear what they're saying out there, but who do you say that I am? I need to know that you understand something about the relationship. We all know that an ambiguous relationship or situationships, as we like to call them out here in these streets, keeps everyone confused. But because confusion and life don't go together, confusion and Jesus don't go together. So we know the relational capital that we have with Jesus. And so here in John chapter 15, Jesus says, this is my commandment. This is what I hope from you, that you will love one another as I have loved you. I have poured out into your lives. Uh, I hope it, will, it would pour out into the world. Then Jesus says this, greater love has no one than this, than for one's friend to lay down their life, which we know that Jesus literally means, I'm going to give everything over for the sake of your life. Like literally, my body is going to be on the line so that your body might also know what it is to flourish and not just simply to survive in this world. Now for us, it might look like a lot of different things. We might have to die to our privilege. We might have to die to our power. We might have to die to our bias in order for our friends to flourish. No one has greater love than this than you lay down something that would keep us from being able to be in relationship with each other. And then Jesus says this. You are my followers or you are my friends or we are in relationship if you do what I command you. Now this is not Jesus like pulling a power move. Like if you don't do what I tell you to do. It's not that. I mean maybe Jesus did do that. I don't know. But basically what Jesus is saying, that you have truly known me if you look like me in the world. You know, we hear this, we hear this word over and over again um, in the rabbinic tradition that let me be covered in the dust of my rabbi. Meaning, let me follow after Jesus so closely that I'm literally covered in Jesus' dust. So that means I've watched the way that Jesus eats and who Jesus invites to Jesus' table. I've seen who Jesus, is Jesus touched, even if people put other folks on the margins. I, I see who Jesus exhorts, who Jesus exalts. Do you do the things that I do in the world? Do you extend grace the way I extend grace? Do you forgive the way I forgive? Do you feast with others the way that I feast with others? Do you show up in the world the way that I show up in the world? We've really had relationship, meaning something about our relationship with each other has disrupted your relationship with the world and how you also show up. And I want you to know this. I do not call you servants any longer because the servant does not know what the master is doing, but I have called you friends because I have made known to you everything, everything that I have heard from my father. This little, I mean, this little turn, I do not call you servants any longer 
because the master, you would not know what the master is doing. The thing that Jesus is trying to say is just because we have proximity in a particular way that I'm the king of kings and the Lord of lords and I'm resurrection and I am life. I'm no longer talking about a fiduciary relationship, which means one is above and one is below, but I'm now talking about a symbiotic relationship. Like there is something that we give to each other. There's mutuality in that. The master of the house <laughs> is going to keep something from their servants. We have been in relationships where we have proximate, like we're proximate to each other. We're close to each other, like literally we might, might be close, to, but that doesn't necessarily mean that we have deep relationship or intimacy with each other. Go home at Thanksgiving. You might all have the same last name. That does not necessarily mean that there is closeness. And Jesus is like, I need you to know that how we are proximate also says something about how we know and we are intimate with each other. It's not master-servant, but we are friends. Because you have had access to my life, I want to rightly name this relationship. Because you have had access to my power, I want to rightly name the relationship. Because I have loved you and you have loved me, I want to rightly name the relationship. Because I have extended grace to you and you extended grace to me, I want to rightly name the relationship. Because I have forgiven you and you're going to forgive, I want to rightly name the relationship. And then Jesus basically says, because of this relationship that we share, don't just hoard it, but now go be friends to the world. This isn't just an us thing. Now, you who have been shaped by our friendship together, go now and be friends in the world. This is how Jesus chooses to be in relationship with the disciples and how Jesus chooses to be in relationship with us. You've heard me share before that my friend, Greg Moore, Reverend Greg Moore, who is the lead pastor at Edenton Street United Methodist Church, and who is one of my friends. He is truly one of my friends. I don't say that lightly for a lot of different reasons. But Greg one time wrote, he said, that when God takes flesh and Jesus and calls us friends, God proclaims that it is not through hero worship or political legislation or even through right rituals that God will save us. It's through friendship. Greater love has no one than this than to lay down life for a friend. We are not worthy so much as to gather up the crumbs under Christ's table, and Christ calls us a friend. We jokers sometimes go in the opposite direction of Jesus, and Jesus calls us a friend. Jesus is saying something about the relationship that Jesus has with us that can actually redeem, restore, and save us. Friendship. This Jesus who is a good shepherd, this Jesus who is resurrection and life, this Jesus who is bread from heaven, this Jesus who is living water, this Jesus says, I am also your friend and you are my friend. You know what I think is so dangerously beautiful about that is that I can't say about myself that I'm a good shepherd. I can't say about myself that I'm resurrection and life. I can't say about myself that I'm the bread from heaven even though I love gluten. I can't say about myself that I am living water, but I can't say in this world that I am a friend. 
Jesus was helping us to recognize something about not only the relational power that Jesus has with us, but the relational capital that we have with God, with each other, and to the world. The King of Kings and the Lord of Lords says, I am your friend, you are my friend. Do you understand? I can say, this is something that I know how to do that Jesus does. I don't walk around Raleigh saying, I'm a way maker, that is who I am. No, maybe y'all do that when you're at Panera, great. <laughs> who do you say that you are, Lisa? I'm not, I'm light in the darkness. You know, my God, that is who I am. No, I'm not oftentimes able to say that about myself, though I might be able to say that about who Jesus is, but I can say that I'm a friend. Be this to each other, friends, and be friends to the world, I am no longer wanting to be called master so that you don't only see yourselves as servant. I who am resurrection in life, I want to call myself your friend. I have shown you, I have shown you, now go show each other and show the world. In the Christian tradition, it is believed that our holy friendships are an extension of God's friendship to us and our friendship to God. That how we are in the world is the overflow of how we understand life within the triune God. Creator, redeemer, sustainer, that we too get incorporated in that and the ways in which we love one another becomes a reflection of this holy friendship in the world. You know, um, I've probably preached about friendship four times here in the Southeast Raleigh table because I think it's important for us to understand its power. So, you know, we can read the farewell discourse of Jesus, basically these passages between John chapter 13 through 17, and specifically here in John chapter 15, and think, oh, maybe it's a moment of sentimentality Jesus is about to die. Jesus is about to lose his life. Of course, Jesus would be like, you know what, y'all? <laughs> I just want to tell you, I appreciate you and I love you. You know, lifetime movie Jesus. <laughs> Maybe Jesus was feeling some type of way. Gazing in Peter's face, talking about, man, you, you really have shown up for me. I, I appreciate you, you know? Um... But I think a more appropriate way to understand friendship in this text is to see friendship as the very antidote in the midst of crisis. That when Jesus is like, I know I'm about to be killed by the nation state, that my life among you is going to be overwhelmed by violence and fear and intimidation misunderstanding and chaos. That this friendship that I have with you and that you have with me will be a life source that will sustain me in the midst of crisis. 
that this relationship of friendship might sustain me in the midst of crisis. Now, here's the thing. I realize the disciples dropped the ball a couple of times. But they were the ones who showed up at the tomb. And I know the disciples, they dropped the ball a couple of times. But every single time that Jesus has a post-resurrection appearance that is recorded in the Gospels, Jesus goes to his friends. Not the religious leaders, not the ones who hold the scroll. Jesus goes to his friends. This relational capital that we call friendship is not just about feels. It's about supernatural power. That friendship is also able to sustain us and marks the moments when we are living in the midst of crisis. So I want you to hear me say this. Please do not leave this place without hearing me say this. Over the course of the last two years, as we have been journeying through a global worldwide pandemic, basically a global trauma together, if you have been a friend to someone or someone has been a friend to you, holy yes. Forget the words that Bismarck you say, so you say I'm just a friend. Take out the just. You've been a friend in the midst of trauma. You've been a friend in the midst of crisis. You've understood the supernatural power of this relational capital when we literally did not know what to do with our 